everybody and welcome to a penny for your thoughts i'm jim turpin reminder that our phone number is uh, 351-5667 that's our temporary line the text uh, number is 351-5357 a little uh, different uh, format here this morning we again the talking to uh, mary shank she's the uh, crimes and uh, courts reporter for the news gazette and then after that we'll have an open line all the way up until 11. Well, Mary, uh, nice to have you on the program here in our new digs and uh, kind of a, a little a shorter uh, trek to be on the air yes. than before, huh? It's lovely. I, I especially like these padded walls you have. I've taken <laughs> advantage of them a couple of times. <laughs> they also have padded walls in prisons and places, too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Asylums. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to, uh, to talk to you. I can... When Mary is covering so many things on a daily basis that we could talk in, in a lot of different directions. But I was uh, intrigued by the uh, the story that you wrote yesterday, the defense seeks delay in the kidnapping trial. And uh, we're talking about, of course, of uh, Brenta Christensen. And as I read through the uh, story, some of these uh, numbers about how long it uh, takes uh, you uh, you go ahead and uh, yes and uh, tell me about that a little bit, but uh, well, this is such a strange case because here here we have in all your experience and you've had a lot of it. Has there ever been one like this where somebody has uh, been uh, a family from another country has come here and, and stayed and waited and waited and waited and I guess some of them or most of them are still here. I have I am not aware of anything quite like that. I've been covering courts for the better part of 30 years, mostly in state court, and I I don't claim for one second to be any kind of expert on either the state or federal courts, and particularly the federal courts, because I spend less time there. But everyone would agree this case is unique in every twisted, newsworthy angle you can imagine. From what happened at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, someone having gone missing after just being in this country three months um, to, you know, we still don't know where her remains are. I mean, the feds might know, but we don't as the general public. Um, but the, they wh- have... Why is, uh, why is that? Is there some reason are they, they're saving that? If, if they know, they're saving that announcement for uh, some other time later? <laughs> well... I don't know that. Here's my gut feeling. And again, it's just a gut feeling. Let, you know, we in the trade are fond of saying that the feds don't bring an indictment until the case is wrapped up and tied with a bow. Mm-hmm. You rarely, it happens, but you rarely hear of acquittals in federal court. And that's because they have amassed a lot of information before they move to a grand jury. And often even before the grand jury. Um, so... You know, all I can wonder is, 
do they know um, where the body is? Is that the bargaining chip they have to get him to talk? Because the other part of the federal system equation is the only way you get a reduction in sentence is to cooperate with the authorities. And presumably he hasn't chosen to do that if, if indeed... Let's try and remember presumption of innocence, although it's hard given the public opinion about this case. Um, you know, if if he knows something, uh, it's not apparent to all of us that he might be offering it up. So, um, and I think, you know, you and I talked earlier about the whole, this is a death penalty eligible case. I was doing my, my Google research this morning. There's about 41 offenses in the federal system that are death penalty eligible that, and that it's usually something that results in death um, terrorism you know airplane bombings um, this one is kidnapping resulting in death in, in this case and just because it's eligible doesn't mean the government is going to see so we it. don't know yet do we no okay so I, I you know so in the hearing uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, when the defense is uh, looking for a delay in the uh, the trial, it's because of the uh, death penalty. Absolutely. So it it would be of absolutely no surprise to any lawyer or observer of the criminal justice system that the defense needs and wants and needs a continuance in this case, because. Death penalty cases require an extraordinary amount of preparation. And that gets back to uh, what I was saying about a case that might be eligible doesn't mean the government's going to seek it. Because, And here's my, le- here's my research. I was chatting with Steve Beckett, uh, Urbana attorney with, you know, four plus decades of experience in, you know, state and federal court. Um, There has to be, I refer to it as a mini trial, but there is a review panel at the Department of Justice of learned, experienced attorneys who will hear all the evidence both sides have and then decide, is this case worth investing the resources to seek the death penalty? So it's up to them, that uh, committee or whatever you call it. So I'm going back to my notes from when I talked to Steve, and he called it a very sophisticated presentation utilizing comparable cases from across the country and your own client's background to say to the Department of Justice, this is not a death penalty case. Okay, so stop and think about that for a minute. Your own client's background this particular man is, what, 26, I'm not sure, 24 years old. They're going to go back to grade school, to Boy Scouts, to uh, Jim Dye and I in the early 80s covered a, a death penalty case here in state court that got to the death penalty phase. And this is where they call, uh, or what they call the mitigation phase, where the defense team has to put on every single good deed they can find in a person's past to... He walked old ladies across the street. I'm not kidding. So Jim and I <laughs> joked at the end of hearing about this horrid, brutal murder. We call Lil Al the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the babysitter, you know. They brought in his sister. Well, he he watched my children for years. So he's a good guy. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. That is an exhaustive amount of preparation for the defense to have to find all these people. 
and you know they're going to employ uh, a mitigation expert if you will to help them with just that little part not to not to mention all the legal research they have to do on comparable cases and you you just said it is there very much a comparable case of someone who has kidnapped a visiting scholar from a different country and you know so well one thing about this is that uh, the uh, the brunos were certainly uh, right by saying uh, this is going to be a uh, a long time and uh, oh yes th- this guy can't uh, no they can't afford this yeah this is well not to mention this is all this should be all consuming for these we now have a team of three federal public defenders, mm-hmm. all with a great deal of experience. Liz Pollock is in the federal public defender's office here in the Central District, and she works out of Urbana. She's a homegrown girl, I might add, um, very accomplished, and one of the few people uh, in a tip of the hat to Liz a few months ago got one of those rare acquittals in a federal court <laughs> jury. And I, I can't remember the case if it was drugs or guns. I don't remember, but... Uh, I just remember that she got a win and everybody was like, wow. George Tassif is another federal public defender. I kind of remember him from years ago in McLean County. He represented a lot of criminal defense attorneys. And then there is a Robert Tucker, who I believe is in the St. Louis division, but he has extensive death penalty experience in the federal system. Um, And again, my limited Google research shows he has represented terrorists and airplane bombings, whose names I couldn't pronounce correctly. These are qualified people. Oh, oh, exceptionally. But, okay, so they're employed by the government. They have all the resources of the government behind them. But, again, they have to go to the judge and say, here's what we want to do. Will you approve this budget? So nothing is, like, drop dead. Uh, You know, yes, you're going to get this. Unlike, you know... Let's assume for a minute that the Brunos had kept this case. You know, Christensen would have to come out of pocket with every, you know, check to the mitigation specialist. Uh, We need these records from your high school transcripts. I mean, just think about it. Astronomical. And and they're uh, yes, while they're a three man firm, they've got a they've got a robust practice going. They got lots of other clients. They wouldn't have had the time to give this that is required. And uh, speaking of uh, time, in your uh, story uh, yesterday, you uh, uh, quote uh, Kevin McNally, who's the Federal uh, Death uh, Penalty Resource uh, Council, uh, heads up the, the, that uh, project. It's a, I'll just uh, quote from it. Yeah. In it, McNally said, based on all federal death penalty prosecutions across the country, the average time, listen to these numbers now, the average time between indictment and trial is 28 months. The average time between indictment and notice of intent to seek the death penalty is 13 months, and the average time between the notice to seek that penalty and the trial is 16 months. Right. We're talking about years here. Yeah, so that last part, between notice of intent to seek death penalty and trial date is where we are in Christensen's case. So those public defenders, and I'm sure the government attorneys, Eugene Miller and Brian Freres, they're scurrying now to get their case ready for that Department of Justice Review Board, or whatever. I don't know the formal title. Mm -hmm. Um, Beckett told me he had to do that. He was appointed in a Kankakee murder case. Uh, He said, it's my only trip ever inside the Department of Justice, and he likened it to a star chamber. You (laughs) You know, they sit there and grill you and 
and you have to lay out everything there and you're hoping that you can nip the whole death penalty thing in the bud if you will well, the uh, judge uh, originally had hoped that uh, they would get something going in about, uh, what, February? I want to say it was late February. Yeah. And so, you know, citizens, anybody looking at Miss Zhang's family who's here waiting for some resolution of this case are, you know, your heart's sick thinking about them. What are they doing every day? I don't, I don't know. I haven't followed up a lot but they are still in this country i wrote myself a note they arrived here around uh, the middle of june the the weekend of june 16th and christensen was arrested june 30th so and this uh, search uh, is uh, now in its uh, i believe 100 and what's 40th day 140 yeah i mean that's how long it's been yeah. that she's been missing and, and even they, even the way that uh, that they found her were, that camera happened to be pointed in the right direction right what i can uh, wonder if uh, if they didn't have that evidence how what evidence would they ever have that exactly. she was kidnapped exactly needle in a haystack it's just how would they ever have found him yeah and then and then add in again back to the weird twist the fact that he was driving a car you know Hardly any of them produced in the United States, mm-hmm. and much less any of them registered in the state of Illinois. I, I, everything about this case is different. <laughs> uh, um, you told me uh, this morning that uh, you had uh, done a little research on the death penalty information from the Death Penalty Information Center, and uh, gave me a copy of uh, a very interesting chart here: of federal executions from nineteen. 19- 27 to present, and there have been uh, 37 of them. Uh, I noticed there's some by hanging and some by electrocution and uh, et cetera. But the, mm, don't forget gas. Uh, yes. ga- gas, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but the most amazing thing in here, I, uh, since you gave me this, I've asked a couple of people here, how many of these uh, people that have uh, been executed uh, do you think were black? And one person said, I believe about 90%, and uh, the other person is something uh, very similar to that. But as it turns out, it's, uh, what, as we look at the uh, 37, uh, I think there are like three black and uh, one uh, Hispanic. And uh, everybody else is, uh, has been white. Yeah, I'm uh, the same... Um the same source, I'm looking at some different charts, and I don't want to inundate people with numbers. My eyes tend to glaze over when I look at these things. But um, number of executions since 1976, and this is, I believe, all death penalty cases, not just federal. 1,463, 56% of the defendants white, 34% black, Eight percent Hispanic, other one point six percent. So the majority of the defendants executed white. Um, similarly interesting, the majority of the victims seventy six percent white, fifteen percent black, seven percent Hispanics. So, if you have any questions uh, for Mary, three five one five six six seven. We'll keep her a few more minutes here because she has things to do. The courts. Uh, 
the courts never close, do they? <laughs> they close just on Christmas. Holidays. <laughs> just holidays. Just holidays. Uh, the crime can, uh, never closes. So. The crime never closes. Uh, we can uh, get uh, text messages at uh, 3515357. So uh, what is next? We're waiting then to uh, see what happens with this uh, request for the delay? Yes. Um, the judge gave the government till November the 3rd to respond. And... I, this this uh, motion on which I wrote my story that uh, they didn't have a court hearing. This was merely a filing, and then the government will respond. And then the judge the judge may look at their response and say, "Yes, it's clear everybody needs more time," and just make a entry a ruling and, and tell them um, if there's some complicated issue or something he needs clarification on, he may call them into court and say, let's hash this out. So as we talk about all this uh, time that's uh, probably ahead of us uh, now, I think about the family. What what is next for them? Are they going to stay here until this is over? We may be talking about, as I said, months, uh, months for sure, maybe years. Yes. Um, It's just heartbreaking to me. I was one of the reporters, along with Marcus Jackson, who interviewed these folks, um, Ying Ying's dad, her fiancé, her aunt, at, who was here at the time. She's since gone back, and a best friend. And it's um, been explained to me that in Chinese culture, you you must have something, you know, like a part of the body, uh, some possessions, um Foreclosure. Yes, yes. Uh, if there ever is such a thing in any kind of case where right, you know right, somebody's right. gone, but you know what I'm saying, and um, I, I've been told they're not going until they have that, and I I don't really know what that means to them. I haven't asked. There are certain things even I <laughs> couldn't <laughs> say. How long are you going to hang around here? You yeah. know, um, I I don't know how they're you know, mentally, emotionally, physically getting by day to day. You know, they've been here or four, financially. Yes, four plus months. Well, we did have a story. My colleague, uh, Deb Pressy, wrote a story about this because, you know, there's been a GoFundMe account. Yes. They also have great emotional and financial support from the Chinese Students Association. Uh, but there's more than $150,000 in this GoFundMe account. And they, the uh, representatives of the family, uh, in this story that Deb did, gave an accounting. Here's here's what it's been spent on. You know, they're not they're not going out to dinner every night spending this money. They have mm-hmm. been adamant that the majority of the this money is to go to a reward fund. Um, some of it has covered travel expenses. Um, let's see. Oh, also six months rent on a home here. So I I think people who are giving to that GoFundMe realize. Those are legitimate expenses. That's Absolutely, not. but tip even reward. So it's tra- a, it yeah. sounds like a lot of money, but uh, no, it's a it's a, it's a long time. Right. Let's uh, take a call here okay. and uh, see what uh, Rick has uh, uh, for you. Uh, good morning, Rick. Uh, do you have a question for Mary? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, who? Well, this went down, and searches were started. Um, who actually does the searching, and where is it done? Are you referring to the searching for the body? Yes. Um, good, great question, and I've asked it too, and I got a resounding no comment. 
you know, okay, I... Okay, well, I, I've, uh, I've called the uh, Champaign Police Department, and they said the University of Illinois is handling it. So I called the University of Illinois Police Department, and they said that to refer to the FBI. Right. It and is so the... I, called the, F- I mm-hmm. called the FBI tip line and gave them the information that I had. Okay. And... Uh, they, they said thank you, and then I heard that the FBI doesn't do anything. They don't do the searching. They just take the credit for the case. So here's what I'm going to say. Uh, when I was a kid, I was born and raised on campus there at the U of I. And lo and behold, not many people know this, there are underground steam tunnels throughout campus. If you Google underground steam tunnels, University of Illinois, Champaign, Illinois, you will get an old map that shows all of the underground tunnels. Now, when I was a kid, I had a couple of friends that we lived on campus, and we would go down in those damn tunnels. I'm, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I just wonder, you know, I don't know how long, if, if those have ever been searched. Well, my gut feeling, Rick, is that the feds know where what happened to oh. her. You know, they have overhears. Oh. They they had information leading to this indictment. How else would they get to the, the go from kidnapping to kidnapping resulting in death? They know a lot of information, and they're not sharing it with the public until trial. I mean, that also, I might add, um, all the attorneys in this case are, you know, under a non-disclosure agreement, including the Brunos, what they saw up to the point they got out of the case, they were ordered to turn over their documents back to the government or destroy them. And so somebody knows. They're just not telling us. But the family hasn't been notified of anything. I don't, I'm not. That's a shame. Well, and I don't know that that's necessarily the case. So Steve Beckett, um, my colleague I was telling you about with all the expertise has agreed to represent this family um, more as a advocate if you will uh, you know he said Steve said I'm familiar with the Chinese justice system um, he's been to China twice he's studied it he has colleagues he had some Chinese lawyer friends who said you got to help this family help them you know navigate the ins and outs of the US system so when I asked Steve as the representative of the family are you know what do they know or you know have they been told everything and he's like I can't comment so at that point I you know I stepped into the I can't tell you what I know because of attorney-client privilege so I'm just saying we don't know as the general public other people know hey thank you Rick appreciate the uh, call and uh, that's a very good uh, question and uh, I I would think that uh, is probably the primary a question that a lot of people are thinking about is, well, if they know where the body is, they must know because they have said this was a kidnapping and now they're talking about the death penalty and all that. So somebody knows, uh, they just aren't uh, telling, as as you mentioned. But uh, a lot of people are wondering, well, here we are on a uh, a Thursday morning. Is, Is anybody searching or do they already know? I know you I don't, don't. I know, know you don't know, but isn't that the I've, question? I've uh, never heard of anybody like you would think uh, with social media and stuff. If there were organized searches, we'd be aware of yes. the same. Mm-hmm. I am not aware of anything. 
You're aware of a lot of things. Well, who knows what I can remember, what my (laughs) brain is able to absorb in this. Well, our time is up uh, this morning anyway. Thanks for uh, coming in. This is a pretty neat i you may be surprised how many times i reach over there and uh, say hey mary can you come on for well, a few minutes because you are a it's harder busy, to say no you, well I, you're a busy woman and it's uh, not such a long trip now now that i'm around the corner yes you can take advantage of me but uh yeah it's always a pleasure being on here i i i kind of sort of miss my radio days yeah, <laughs> been <well>, a while <laughs> mary uh, worked at uh, wdws with a couple of other uh, fine women mm-hmm. reporters one of uh one of whom went on to be a lawyer and uh Another who went on to be a spokesperson at a major university. I'm pretty proud of my buddies. <laughs> and their names are? Uh, well, it was Melanie Spain mm-hmm. Magara at the time, and she navigated northern Illinois through that horrible shooting on Valentine's Day several years ago. And uh, Kate McBride, who's now in Minneapolis doing uh, appellate court defense work for a major firm up there, and she and I are still good buddies. She and I were college roommates and came to WDWS at the same time, working weekends, getting uh, up at 3 (laughs) o'clock, just like every college student wanted to do, to deliver the weekend news. And uh, Robin Kaler was out there. Was she before you or after Uh, you? Actually, Robin took my position when I left in 1983. I don't want to say took my place, of course. No. (laughs) Speaking of people who have gone on to make more money than Mary. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Appreciate it My very pleasure. much. It is a nine thirty uh, time for the uh, news uh, headlines with uh, Brian Barnhart, and after that, we'll come back with an open line up until eleven. There's plenty for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. We have an open line now up until eleven o'clock, with a reminder that the phone number is three five one five six six seven, and the text line is three five one five three five seven. So what is on your mind today? What questions and uh, comments uh, do you have? Got some uh, stories here, just a quick uh, rundown of our headlines, at least uh, the headlines in my opinion. Others may uh, differ, but uh, but first I want to remind you that uh, tomorrow uh, Kent Brown and uh, Barry Hauser will be here. It'll be an open line at 9, and then our Illini Friday show, we do that show before every Illinois home football game, and lots of things uh, going on now uh, this weekend uh, because it is indeed homecoming. In fact, have you seen the uh, the fountain over by the uh, the alumni uh, center? That's not the correct uh, name for it, but uh, they have turned the fountain orange, and it looks really, really nice. Reminds me of Chicago where they turned the river green. Anyway, Kent Brown and uh, Barry Hauser will be on. Then Lauren Tate and I will do our Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, Then uh, my guest will be uh, Erica Harold on uh, Tuesday of next week and uh, Jim Dye on Wednesday. But each of those uh, days, those guests will be on at uh, 10 o'clock and the open lines will be on at uh, 9 o'clock. Always want to give you a chance to be on. Let's go to uh, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hey, how you doing? I am doing great. What's on your mind, bud? Well, I want to tell you about something that happened at Rantoul High School this week. Okay. Uh, a couple of, <clears throat> couple of girls got into a fight, and, uh, of course, they had to separate them. And um, after that went on down, they... Uh, 
had a situation where one of the administrators wanted the girl to come, wanted the girls to come to the office. She didn't want to go, so he put her in a bear hug and a football move, and he went down to the floor. And he's about 300 pounds, and she's about 115. Now, who who did the, who did this? Who this was an administrator? What who, who was it? I mean, what, what administrator? One of the administrators that ran to high school. Okay, so he kind of tackled about, her, huh? Yeah, like a football player, and he he's three about 300, and she's about 115. Oh my! So he's laying on top of her, trying to get her to comply, which I thought was pretty strange for. Uh, person to do that and he laid on her for a while and then finally you saw a policeman come into the scene this is on a video and uh, he put cuffs on her and they he got one arm and the policeman got one arm and they took her out of the room so this all happened this week and uh, maybe some of your news people can get the video uh, I don't. I don't think they want the public to see that. But the video does exist. Well, what? Uh, who who took the video? You know, some other student. Well, the the school has video cameras. Ah, oh, that, that kind of video. I see. Okay, so it's, I, uh, it's really that. It's on record. <laughs> that's confidential as far as letting you, you know. You would have to ask for it. Yeah. What happened to the you? This was a confrontation between uh, two girls. Yes. What happened to the other girl? Uh, no, no. But we just. I'm just. I just looked at the video today. Mm-hmm. And you could see. They, they must have thought uh, the one they were uh, trying to uh, apprehend. They must have thought was the instigator, or I. Kind of, kind of wondering on what happened to the other person. The, I'm not sure, but if you look at the tape, you would have to make your own judgment on it. But you could see that the person who threw the girl down is a pretty big guy. Yeah. Matter of fact, he's a real big guy. Well, I hadn't heard anything about that. I'll uh, see if uh, if our news department has. Maybe they can uh, they can look into they, it. They may not want you to see that because the public sees it and they see the guy laying on top of a girl like that. They may not like that because all I could see with him being on top of her is her legs. When they got her up, mm. she was pretty thin. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me know about that, Jerry. We'll uh, I'll uh, see if uh, but somebody wants to look into it here in our news department. Okay, then. Thank All you right. very much. Appreciate the call. We're at uh, three five one five six six seven. Texas at three five one five three five seven. It is uh, nine forty one, and we'll take a quick break right here. We're coming right back, and this is an open line right up until eleven o'clock this morning. And uh, lots of things uh, going on uh, tonight. Uh, another recruiting uh, target for the Illini uh, basketball uh, team and uh, Coach uh, Brad Underwood going to announce a decision tonight. That's the way they do it uh, these days. Uh, 
Sometimes they have a video, and sometimes uh, they bring out the hats. Remember when they Alexander brought out the hats and started to put one on, then put the other one on, a little uh, drama. Anyway, a four-star small forward, uh, Talon Horton Tucker from Chicago Simeon is uh, deciding, and a lot of people think he's going to come to Illinois. Think it's a done deal, but we'll see. It's never a done deal until it's done. In fact, uh, commitments are never com- complete until they sign, right? But anyway, he's expected to announce his decision tonight, six thirty, at the school uh, between Illinois, Xavier, and Iowa State. And uh, we'll have it uh, for you. Be sure to tune to DWS. We'll let you know what he decides once it is announced. If uh, Horton Tucker commits to Illinois. He would be the second to commit for Underwood for the 2018 class, joining uh, Io uh, Dosumu, uh, who committed about a week ago. Our phone lines are open at uh, 3515667 if you have something on your mind that uh, you would like to talk about. Here uh, locally, the paper filled with the stories today that... Uh, are interesting to me. I hope to you as well. Hope to get some dialogue going on some of these. And one of them is that the chief is back in the homecoming parade. And the usual uh, suspects, you know who they are, uh, are livid about this. Then uh, something uh, also very, very uh, interesting. A native group of dancers from North Dakota plan a pregame powwow with authentic dances. I'll tell you where that is and uh, what's going to happen there and why they're here and all that as we go along. These are just the headlines. And a busy MTD meeting with the approval of uh, annexation and tax hikes and veterans' uh, bus passes. And uh, the World Series uh, is now tied at uh, 1-1. Moving back to Houston for Game 3 on Friday, whereas Game 1 was a pitcher's duel, uh, last night it was a question of who could hit the most home runs. And most of them came toward the end of the game in the last few innings. A total of eight home runs hit in the game. Houston won it uh, 7-6 in the 11th inning. Jim Dye writes that the veto override is a partial solution, but there's a better method that doesn't require legislation. We'll look into that. And Hillary Clinton and the uh, Democratic National Committee broke campaign finance law with the dossier funding. This is according to a complaint from the Campaign Legal Center. And out in California, UC Berkeley student newspaper apologizes for the cartoon of Harvard's Alan Dershowitz as he threatens to sue over the First Amendment. And guess who's uh, out and who's out and about in Las Vegas these days? You would never have guessed it. Hitting the restaurants, the casinos, and having his photo taken with a beautiful woman and uh, tourists of all kinds coming up and said, can we have a photograph with you? It's O.J., of course. The juice is back in town. 
And we go to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing okay. What's up? Uh, I just I just wondered if you have heard what has happened in our hometown of Olney, Illinois this week. Uh, no, I guess I haven't. Tell me. Uh, there have been threats of violence uh, directed at students at uh, our whole, at our old high school. Uh, Olney, it's now Richland County High School. Yeah, East PR Richland State. High School. Uh huh. It was it was ERHS for us. Right. But uh, evidently, uh, Monday and then again on yesterday, the campus has been on, on closed on lockdown for a period of time to try to uh, clear some things up and investigate what has happened with uh, written threats of uh, violence. Where do these uh, threats come from? Do they know? Well, I think they figured out where the first threat came from on Monday, and I think maybe they have that person in custody, but the others are probably copycats, and they have no idea on the others. But then evidently I think there's been like four threats. What kind of threats are they? Is it this, there's going to be a bombing or, or somebody's going to get killed or something? I, I, I'm not exactly for sure. I think it is threats of uh, uh, shooting up students or something like that. Uh, in the school, but it's threats against the school directly or against the students in the school directly. This being handled by the uh, only uh, police? Uh, yes, I'm sure it is. Uh, I think there's been reports in the Olney Daily Mail, and uh, I know, uh, I think WTHI television out of Terre Haute has been covering a little bit of it, too. Of course, that's not a station I get, but no, Paul, I had not heard anything about that, and I'm glad that you let me know. I, I imagine if I uh, Googled it and wrote only uh, violence, uh, whatever, uh, that I'd, I'd get a full report on it. Uh, I've, I've got this information through friends of mine that uh, still live in Olney, and... Uh, and uh, well, do you know if they, is the school closed down uh, again, or more than once? Well, it was it was it was on a lockdown on Monday and then again yesterday. Well, it wasn't closed. It was on lockdown. I, I get you. Okay. It was not closed, but it was just on a lockdown while they spent some hours to try to investigate and figure out what was happening. I think. Well, thanks for letting me know about that. I'll uh, check into it. I thought you would like to know. Yeah, if I find out anything, okay. I'll uh, I'll be glad to uh, share it with you. Thank you, Paul. Oh, my. Happens uh, everywhere, doesn't it? And uh, one uh, final uh, headline. The judge rejects the state's request that uh, it rules that uh, President Trump, the judge rules that uh, President Trump doesn't have to resume the Obamacare subsidies. So that's a, a big decision. As you know, that was one of the controversial parts of Obamacare, and uh, President Trump said uh, we don't uh, need those or we don't want those, and uh, the judge says uh, he has a right to uh, to, redo, to do that. Doesn't have to resume the subsidies. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but last night was a great night for television watching. I was watching the uh, World Series on one channel, 
and watching the Illinois volleyball team on the Big Ten Network. And just a heartbreaking defeat. Uh, the Illini, as you know by now, I'm sure Dave Lone back in town, got in here around uh, two, 2 o'clock in the morning. Here bright and early this morning to do his uh, sportscast. He's told you all about this, but uh, in case you uh, just tuned in and missed it, the Illini volleyball team played Minnesota, and Minnesota is uh, ranked fifth in the nation. And the Illini won the first set, lost the second and third sets, won the fourth set, went to the fifth set, took a 3 nothing lead and a 4-1 lead, and got beat. They lost to Minnesota. I believe I heard the coach, uh, uh, Chris Thomas, say that uh, Minnesota had lost only one match at home in the past three years. So that would have been a great uh, victory, but uh, good for your RPI. But you gotta, you got to win some of these. We've got a great chance on uh, Saturday now, or I shouldn't say a great chance, but a great opportunity because it's uh, Penn State here on Illinois' court. Let's go to Chris. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am good, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. I have two topics. I just, two of them I'm going to be brief on. One about the truth. I could talk to you for four hours about how furious I am about how that's played out over the years and how much I miss Chief Alana Wick. Um, I'm glad he's in the homecoming parade, but that's, you have a lot of great headlines to talk about today, but I do miss the chief, but uh, the big topic I wanted to ask you about, I, I, I listen to your show often. Sometimes I miss, miss some things. I was going to ask you about several months ago, we talked about the roads and how bad the roads were, and a lot of people had called in, and there's been some you know, online publications where people can say, hey, these, this area of this road is bad. And I didn't know if there was ever any follow-up because the News Gazette was going to look into it, but North Cuttingham and then also on Lincoln and Springfield, Maybe there was some results, and I everybody made me catch in the newspaper or, or on your show. Has anybody finished looking into that? And it's just a horrible road to be traveling down. It's really hard on people's cars, on their shocks, on their tires, and it's been that way for years, especially with the Boneyard. And as much as I'd like to talk about Chief Alana with, with you, uh, really kind of curious on now that we have a budget passed. When what's the what's the story on that? I'll hang up. Uh, I uh, I don't know any uh, more about it than uh, when when it was uh, talked about. So uh, I don't know if the Gazette has had any uh, follow up on that, or uh, maybe it's uh, some one of the kind of things that uh, Tom Kasich uh, in his uh, he answers the people a lot of people's questions in the paper uh, once a week. Maybe that's something that he has written about. I'm not uh, not sure whether whether it. Uh, has been done or not, but uh, appreciate uh, you uh, calling uh, in on that. There's another uh, big story that uh, we had on the uh, news just uh, a little uh, while ago, and it's uh, a tremendous uh, gift for the uh, University of Illinois, one of the uh, the largest, and uh, I'll uh, repeat that uh, story for you. I know that'll be a big one on our on our newscast, but the University of Illinois College of Business is calling it an unprecedented investment. It's a $150 million gift announced today from an alumnus. The gift comes from Chicago businessman Larry Geese. His name is spelled G-I-E-S, Geese, and his wife, Beth. 
U of I says it's the largest gift in the history of the college and to the university system. As a result, the college will be known as the Geese College of Business. The school says their intent is to create an immediate and lasting impact for current and future students of the college and says the gift will accelerate progress toward the recognition of the College of Business as the best and most innovative business school in the nation. Geese is the founder, president, and CEO of Madison Industries. The school calls it one of the largest and most successful privately held companies in the world. What a wonderful thing to be able to do. Haven't you always wanted to be somebody that had uh, had enough money that you could make uh, these kind of gifts that would affect so many, many people uh, over the next uh, years and years and years? Quite, quite a legacy. Let's go to Stan. Hello, Stan. Good morning, Jim. We're short of time again. I'll be as brief as I can. But with the uh, hubbub over a couple of Republican senators uh, going up against Donald Trump uh, in a little bit of a Twitter war here, we still have the Republicans uh, trying their best to achieve their goals of destroying the middle class. And both of those Republican senators voted with all but two of the rest of the Republicans to to, uh, damage middle class Americans again two days ago when they decided that uh, the one percenters should be able to force uh, middle-class people to do what the one percenters want, and the middle-class people can't even band together to uh, fight back in court. Uh, and both of those, Corker and, uh, and Flake, voted to uh, allow the one percenters to uh, shove it down the throats of middle-class Americans, and because the vote was then a 50-50 tie with two Republican defectors, uh, Vice President uh, Mike Pence was able to shove the uh, bullet home, if you will, in the uh, face of the middle-class people. I appreciate the call, Stan. Uh, we are indeed uh, out of time. The news from uh, CBS coming up at the top of the hour. We'll come back with a second hour of a penny this morning. This also will be an open line. So send us a text. Uh, give us a call here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbanum. Welcome back to our number two of a penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. This is an open line until 11 o'clock. Uh, call us at uh, 351-5667. And we go to Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Good morning, Ryan. I think he hung up on us. Well, he waited all during the news, but uh, uh, call us uh, back, Ryan, if something happened to your uh, phone. And uh, you can uh, text us as well at uh, 3515357. Here's a big story by uh, Julie Worth in the uh, paper this morning. Uh, Chief... uh, is back in the homecoming parade. The appearance at the parade draws a mixed response. And she says, uh, 
An appearance uh, by the chief has prompted some faculty members and students to raise objections with the chancellor or uh, with Chancellor Robert Jones. But the honor of the chief society plans to have an individual dressed in Native American regalia ride in the parade as part of the homecoming entry, as it has for years. Chief Alanawek was retired in 2007, but the society has continued to press on for some remembrance of the U of I tradition, has named unofficial chief portrayers who sometimes attend U of I football and basketball games and make appearances at area high schools. Get back on that here in just a moment. Want to make sure we get our callers on the air. Let's go to uh, Henry. Hello, Henry. Yeah, hey, Jim. How you doing? Good. What's going on, Henry? Hey, uh, are, did you watch the World Series game last night? Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> Wasn't that a crazy game? That's a crazy Eight home runs? Oh, no. that's a, <laughs> Yes, that was a very crazy game. And uh, the night before, it was uh, it was all pitching, and uh, and last night, uh, in the last few innings, it was just a, it was almost a comedy the way the way those things were flying out of the park. Yeah, it's like a cage match. I don't know if eight home runs is a record. Or yeah, it, I, uh, I think it is. I think it is for a uh, for one game. But uh, yeah. uh, that game was on at the same time the Illinois volleyball team was playing, so I was switching uh, back and forth and. Uh, very successfully, but I missed one home run. Other than that, uh, I, you know, I didn't miss anything. And then, of course, uh, the last uh, few innings were just uh, so exciting. I thought Houston had the thing won, and yeah. uh, and the relief pitcher uh, comes out in the the bottom of the ninth. He's got the lead. He strikes out the first two guys. I said, "Well, this is this about over." Well, it wasn't yeah. about over. They, uh, you know, they tied it up, and then it went on, and finally, Houston wins in the the eleventh. For people that don't know, seven to six. But it was fun. I thought it was a great to watch. Yeah, and that was their stud reliever too. Uh, I was a big Astro fan back in the day because I lived in the area, and uh-huh. I met my dad and brother still still live in the Friendswood, Houston, and uh, Santa Fe area there. And that was back in the National League. You know, what they were originally the, uh, uh, gosh, what team were they? Uh, Colt 45s. Yeah, they were in the, yeah, they're in the National League for a real long time. Absolutely. And I think their franchise started somewhere in 61. It was in the early 60s. And I remember watching it at their field. It was beautiful because of all the humidity and rain there. It had beautiful grass, but the mosquitoes were just about carrying away. <laughs> And the, uh, Judge Roy Hall finds, I don't know where he came up with his millions, but he basically funded the Astrodome, which was a really interesting uh, forum to be at. We uh, we played uh, basketball down there, not in the Astrodome uh, one time, but back when it was in its uh, heyday, and we were able to uh, tour it, and we thought, this is the biggest building you'll ever see. You know, it was uh, just uh, tremendous, and uh, pretty soon people kept building uh, stadiums uh, bigger and bigger all the time. Yeah, and the Astros, you know, they they were never that great a team until I think, was it 2003 or four somewhere around there, when they actually made it to the World Series and they got swept. And then they, what, three years ago, they went to the American League 
and I thought for sure it'd take them 10 or 15 years to, you know, to ever climb back to the point where they even get to a postseason. And now here they are, you know, one and one going back home. Well, even uh, last year, they uh, this wasn't a very good team. They, they just came out of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, let's see. Was was it Kansas City? No, that was the year before at Kansas City one. But uh, anyway, it was good to see the L.A. Dodgers make it. I, I don't really like San Francisco, and I never really liked the Yankees. So it's good good to see, uh, to me, you know, where San Francisco didn't make it to the postseason and the Yankees got beat in the uh, ALCS. Well, I was uh, I was uh, pulling for the Dodgers, but they've got one player on there that just makes me want to throw up. Do you know who I mean? I know who it is. Our last name starts with P. No, yes, and uh, a guy that kisses his bat and and licks the bat with his uh, tongue and uh, shaved his head and uh, turned his hair a different color and missed a. Uh, Missed a uh, fly ball in the outfield. He made a long run and dove for it, and it went off the edge of his glove. So what does he do? He picks up the glove and throws it to the ground like it's the glove's fault, I guess. Hey, Henry, good to talk to you. Uh, Looking forward to some more uh, great games in uh, this year's uh, World Series. Ryan is uh, back. Hello, Ryan. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I'm, I was curious if uh, there is a, an article on the front page of the paper about this Rochelle Gutierrez, who wrote this book contending that, quote, uh, 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 mathematics operates as an unearned privilege in society, quote, just like whiteness. And again, and as uh, mathematics operates itself as whiteness. And I, I, I don't know. She refers to it as a privilege. I went into the sciences at the U of I, and I worked my tail off to do my math. And if someone can please explain this to me, I would appreciate it. Well, I think it's the craziest uh, thought I've heard in a real long time. I I don't know how anybody can uh, say that. Math, uh, even uh, algebra and geometry and those kinds of things are basically numbers and drawings and... and, uh, I, you know, what can possibly be uh, racist about that? I, I don't know. I mean, I went well beyond uh, geometry and algebra and, and up into higher math. And I just It sounds to me it's just a bunch of academic egghead nonsense for a person desperate to publish something that sounds academic. Well, that's a pretty good description of it. I agree with you completely. Okay. I, don't, uh, I don't understand why anybody would even say something like that. Now, there are all kinds of things that where you can, and uh, we, we hear it all the time, but you can question a lot of things, but it's pretty hard to to say that uh, just because uh, they're numbers or they're whatever, that uh, somehow that uh, favors the whiteness. I, I don't get it. Well, I think she maybe should stick to education and leave the sciences out of it. Yeah, but that's pretty frightening too, isn't it? Somebody like that's in education? <laughs> teaching our yeah, young, was, teaching our young people. I just think she was desperate to get something published. I don't know. Maybe she's under the gun to for tenure or something. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, you, you might be right. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad you brought it up. We talked about that a little bit, uh, I think, a day or so ago. Whenever that came out, I, I'm, uh, I'm still waiting for somebody to just to call and say that that's a great idea and it's a true and and all that. But I haven't had one yet. Appreciate the call, sir. We're at. Uh, to keep reminding myself of this phone number, 
is how you reach us by phone. The text number is the same, 3515357. So if you have something on your mind that uh, you would like to talk about, uh, I was started into uh, talking about the chief in the parade, and uh, who do you think would be complaining about that? Who do you think of all the people, and we have a large community here, a large uh, faculty, we have a, a lot of uh, learned uh, souls. Uh, it would be, yes, uh, Mr. Kaufman. Stephen Kaufman, an informal spreadsheet of homecoming parade entries, which were uh, in the News Gazette the other day, stated that the Honor of the Chief Society entry would feature a blue convertible whose rider will be Chief Alinawek. This prompted longtime chief opponent Stephen Kaufman to write to Jones on Monday, saying that the group had violated the settlement agreement, and other faculty members say it's time for the U of I to do more to distance itself from the chief. This planned appearance by the chief himself violates the aforementioned settlement agreement as well as the university property rights. As such, says Mr. Kaufman, I call upon you to immediately remove participation by Chief Alina Weck and the Honor of the Chief Society in the university's homecoming events. Campus spokeswoman Robin Kaler said the group has not violated the agreement and has a right to appear in the parade on free speech grounds. The group can't say Chief Alinawek on the parade float or entry, but they're allowed to say that in their request to us. This agreement prohibits them from using the chief logo. It prohibits them from having uh, having their... Uh, entry as a chief of line of WEC, but it doesn't prohibit them from having the right of free speech and free expression. Good for you, Robin. Ivan Dozier, a former unofficial chief portrayer, uh, said the group tries to abide by the rules. Says, to my knowledge, we've never entered anything specifically that says chief of line of WEC. We all know in our heart what the role is, but as far as keeping with that settlement with the university, we just say it's the chief. Or we say it's uh, the unofficial chief Alinawek. We don't want to confuse people and make them think that the university has in any way changed their decision. We have to make clear that it's not a university-sanctioned activity. We're keeping a tradition alive out of our own volition. Kaler said Jones had received a half dozen emails on the issue. One was the from the history professor Mark Hertzman, who urged Jones to come up with a new campus mascot. We'll take a break here. It is ten twenty-three here at the Radio Center, and we'll come right back after that with more of our open line. Back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts, I'm Jim Turpin. We have an open line going. We go to Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Yes, good morning, Jim. Um, I haven't heard anybody yet mention the release of the secret 
Kennedy assassination document. Um, it was kind of interesting this morning. I wonder if it's kind of the attitude is generational in nature. Um, they were talking this morning on the early morning show, and Miss um, Hess mentioned that she didn't really think that they should be released. But those of us who lived through it were so traumatized by the event, I think we're anxiously looking for answers. I say uh, the more the better, that uh, everything uh, should be transparent. I don't know why it uh, took them this long, uh, frankly. I mean, why, is there something that's hidden in there that uh, we shouldn't know about? Or uh, I, I, uh, I haven't heard anybody uh, report on uh, what's in there. I, I think it's, uh, isn't, isn't it several thousand pages? I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of... Uh, yes, I just heard on your broadcast it was involves 2,000 pages. 2,000 pages, yeah. It'll take uh, somebody a, a while. To, but I think uh, throughout the day, as uh, people have a have more of an opportunity to uh, to look at it, that uh, you'll hear more about it. Yeah. I, I certainly but, intend to, uh, to uh, try to gather any information that I can, whether it's online or however we get it. But uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to know what's in there myself. So I, it just, um, it, it's history to the younger folks, but those of us who are around, it uh, changed our lives. It did indeed. Yeah. That was a team, a uh, time that was very, very special in this uh, country. This, uh, you know, they kind of jokingly called it a Camelot, and I thought that was uh, kind of overdoing it a bit. But uh, there was a feeling in the country with uh, the Kennedys. Now we've learned some things about them uh, later that were not so, uh, not so good. But uh, I just remember people feeling very good about themselves and about the country. And then when the assassination occurred, it was just uh, the worst possible feeling. Yes, it was. So I, I just wanted to uh, comment. I hadn't heard anyone yet this morning. So thank you, Jim. No, thank you. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hear more about that as we uh, go along, I'm sure, as uh, people have an opportunity to, uh, to take a look at uh, 2,000 pages, a lot of pages. Uh, just uh, one more item here before the uh, news. Uh, Professor Kaufman also complained about the uh, the parade, the homecoming parade uh, with the uh, with the uh, chief in it, and he he also complains that it stops in front of the Native American house on the Nevada Street. How about that? That's not a you know he's trying to tie the two of them together and. He says, clearly combined with the participation of Chief Linawick in the parade, this further insult is designed to denigrate Native Americans and the UIUC program in American Indian Studies. This is happening on your watch and demands your immediate definitive response. It was Kaufman's uh, writing to Jones. Robin Kaler says, well, the parade normally ends at Nevada and Matthews, about a half block west of a Native American house. But this year's parade will end the block earlier at Matthews in Oregon because of construction at Smith Music Hall. Perhaps Professor Kaufman should have looked into that before he put that in his uh, letter. Anyway, I said earlier the same, uh, same people on uh, both sides of this uh, story. And we will have the parade. The, the chief will be in a convertible, and they'll ride along. There'll be some people booing. 
other people will cheering. They say that Ivan Dozier said that uh, we get a, a very positive reception from parade fans. We got a couple boos last year when we crossed over into Urbana. There was one guy who decided to follow us and yell obscenities, but the police kept him from entering the parade. Well, that's good. It is a 1031, and Brian Barnhart has the news headlines. Back with more Open Line after that. We're back on a Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Phone line's open at uh, 351-5667. Uh, text in says, uh, Jim, uh, any ideas how much the foolishness cost in the work on the Kirby Avenue uh, overpass of I-57? People and bicycles should be prohibited from using this bridge before someone gets killed. Well, it's uh, it's the best they can do. Right now, they're trying trying this because it's going to be a long time, if ever, if that bridge is ever widened, which it uh, needs to be uh, on both sides. But it's uh, that would be a major, major, major project, and uh, you <laughs> you can't prohibit people from walking or bicycles uh, from uh, crossing over so they've done the the best they can do with the lights and uh, so on and uh, another text says the location of where the homecoming actually ends is uh, close enough for fake news not facts <laughs> well I don't I don't know about that but, uh, yes, indeed, I understand uh, where the uh, caller is is coming from. Let's uh, go to the phones uh, for our next call, which is from Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Hey, uh, I, I only caught snatches of what you were talking about today, but I heard you talking sports a little bit ago. I don't know if you were talking about volleyball or not. I talked about but, uh, uh, volleyball and uh, baseball, yes. But uh, go ahead. That was uh, quite a match, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, quite a match. Well, I, I was a little disappointed at them early in the season because there were some matches where they just didn't seem like they could put it together, and you could see the talent was there. But the last couple of matches, the one with Nebraska and now with Minnesota, gosh, they just they, it's like they've kept improving, and that's really just great to see. Yes, it is. And uh, somewhere along the line, they have to win one of these matches. You know, you're going to have to finish, uh, where, seventh or so in the Big Ten uh, at least uh, to to get into the tournament, something like that? Don't, yeah, don't, I don't think so. Don't you take around seven teams, seven, eight teams, yeah, they're, like they're Yeah, but they're doing pretty good. Um, the time to win is against Penn State on Saturday night. Well, of course, everybody everybody would <laughs> like to do that. Stanford, uh, the number two team, and Kevin Hambly's team, got beat twice by Penn State. And that's well, the only, that's the only matches the they've lost. Too. Yeah, they're but Stanford. Uh, we played right to the wire, and so I'm just. Uh, I think they've got the pieces there, and the nice thing is uh, the realization that they're still such a young team, and to watch them improve. Like last night, oh, they were within an eyelash. They 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 made errors in that last set, or they could have. Yeah, they had uh, they had uh, so many hitting errors in, in the last uh, set. I uh, about three or four, 
And I, talk, I heard the uh, coach uh, with uh, Dave Lone after the match, and he said that uh, those, those uh, misses, uh, those uh, errors were just by inches. I mean, it was, you know, it was just bad luck. They well, were, some of it too, though, you can almost understand them being excited, being a little overexcited and, you know, so close and, you know, learning how to play with that. Uh, that's all the stuff they're learning. But you're right. Yeah, some of them were even closer than close. I think some of the replays they did, they still didn't see the replay right because they were, they were right on the edge. Maybe one of these days we're going to win on one of those challenges, you think? <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, no really it was. Uh, I'm glad it. you called, Bob. It was uh, terrific and I, uh, a great, great match. And uh, I hope that uh, a lot of people show up on uh, on Saturday for for the number one team in the nation at uh, Russ Rose and uh, that Penn State team. Uh, the record they've compiled over the last decade or so has just been unbelievable. We'll go Illini. Yep. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. My kids uh, said the best math teachers they ever had was Mr. Jackson at Franklin and Mrs. Robinson at Central. Both were black, and both were math majors in college, not education majors. I guess he's uh, letting me know that because of the uh, conversation we had a little while ago about uh, the person who wrote saying that uh, basically that it uh, favored uh, whiteness, mathematics. You know, it's, it's numbers. I want to talk to you about uh, Chad Ebert. I've been doing this for, for quite a while now, and one of the reasons I'm glad to do it is that uh, I employed his, uh, his firm, which is Precision Painting, and I want to tell you that in both instances, they did a great, great job. One of the things that uh, Chad did was bring out a big notebook. In the notebook, he had letters of recommendation, these recommendation from two to 300 uh, people all in this area, some of the people I knew, some uh, I didn't. But it takes some doing to... When somebody does such a good job to to actually write a letter of recommendation for them, but uh, that's what they do, and he put it in a big book, and you can get that book and take a look at it and see what people have to say, what uh, people that have just had work done by Precision Painting have to say, better than listening to me talk about it, actually, because they have uh, they've experienced it. Their goal is to earn your letter of recommendation. But uh, they uh, wanted me to let you know that uh, they had a great outdoor painting season. And now the holidays are uh, coming up. And wouldn't the inside of your house look better with a new coat of paint? Precision Painting is now taking bookings for the winter with discounted rates for a limited time. They specialize in interior painting and they're experts in repairing drywall and getting rid of ugly wallpaper and the removal of those uh, dated uh, popcorn ceilings. They're experts in making walls look brand new again. They also move all of the furniture for you and move it back when they're done. It's an efficient operation. When they're there, they're working. They don't jump from job to job. 
you ever have uh, somebody uh, come by and start a, a job, whether it was roofing or painting or whatever on your house, and they come in on Monday morning and they get all the material out there and they get their letters and and they work uh, Monday and then the guy says, uh, uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully on uh, Thursday. We've got a little uh, another job here we've got to take care of. What, you're not coming back till Thursday? Well, that won't happen with precision painting. Here's how you... Get in touch with them. Just go to their website, www.yprecision.com. That's W-H-Y-P-R-E-C-I-S-I-O-N.com. They're confident that you will be very, very happy. Or you can call Chad himself, 384-7590, 4 precision painting we need to take a break we're coming uh, right back and to take more of your calls here on this open line on we began this morning and uh, talking to mary shank the uh, crimes and uh, courts reporter for the news gazette that's one of the uh, joys of uh, being in this uh, position and now being and having our station uh, located here uh, just uh, adjacent to the uh, newsroom, and uh, we plan to bring reporters on from time to time when they have written something uh, interesting or they have a topic that we'd like to know more about. And uh, that's going to be, uh, I hope, it'll be very informative and uh, easy for uh, for both of us because of the uh, location. Tomorrow, as I mentioned, uh, the guests will be uh, Kent Brown and Barry Hauser. That'll be at uh, 10 o'clock. At uh, 9 will be an open line. Then on the Monday, Lauren Tate and I will do our Monday morning quarterbacking, talk about all the things that uh, uh, happened in the Wisconsin game and a look at the week ahead. Then uh, my guest on uh, Tuesday at uh, 10 o'clock will be Erica Harold. She, of course, is a local uh, woman uh, running for attorney general in the state of Illinois. Uh, Jim Dye will be on uh, on Wednesday. Jim is on every couple of weeks, and uh, he's just a few feet away from here. Be easy for him. Uh, in addition to the uh, Chief Alinewick thing, uh, Julie Worth uh, writes a very interesting uh, story today about uh, something that's uh, going to happen this weekend regarding a North Dakota group that's intent on preserving what it sees as positive Native American imagery in sports. This will take place uh, Saturday morning during the pregame tailgating festivities at the U of I. The Native American Guardians Association is a group of Native Americans and allies, including Tony Henson of Bement, who arranged for this week's powwow in Champaign. The nonprofit was created after the University of North Dakota decided to drop its Fighting Sioux nickname under heavy pressure, I might add. Henson says, Fighting for the preservation of uh, Native American names and imagery and uh, honorifics in sports, a counter to the anti-mascot movement, he said. The group has written a brief supporting the Washington Redskins and has attended events with the Kansas City Chiefs. Henson cites polls showing a 
majority of Native Americans don't oppose the use of Native American names or images by sports teams, and he dismisses psychological research showing that they are harmful to Native American self-image, particularly among children. Henson says he is a quarter Cherokee, is an avid Illini fan, supported Chief Illiniweck, saying it used to be the most thrilling halftime in all of college athletics. Now it's like a funeral without the Native American dance. We feel like the chief was done respectfully. It had the right intentions, he said. He went to a 2013 powwow by the Peoria tribe and decided to try to bring authentic powwow culture to Champaign-Urbana. The group has also been invited to march in Friday night's homecoming parade with the Honor of the Chief Society. Ivan Dozier of the Honor of the Chief Society, who also claims Cherokee heritage, said their goals are very closely aligned with ours. The chief's departure left a hole that we're trying to fill. Some people are going to try to fill that hole by celebrating a native powwow dance. Some people trying to fill it by trying to bring back the chief. What is the most important to recognize is that the hole exists and we're not going to fill it by ignoring its existence. In a uh, busy meeting last night, the uh, Board of Trustees, uh, or the Board Members, I should say, of the Champaign-Urbana Mass Transit District voted to annex uh, parts of three subdivisions, set a property tax levy for next year that is 29% greater than this year's, and agreed to establish a free bus pass for military veterans. The board voted unanimously to annex into the transit district about 23 lots in the Wills Trace subdivision in Champaign, approximately 80 lots in the Prairie Meadows subdivision in Savoy, and 88 lots in the Southridge subdivision also in Savoy. Public hearings on each of the annexations were held earlier this month, and only one person came to any of them. MTD Board Chairman Brad Deal said uh, that he had questions, uh, and he had questions about uh, services, is uh, the one person that did show up. So that's uh, something that uh, we can be expecting uh, pretty soon, I would think. It is uh, 10.55. We will... Break for the uh, CBS News at the top of the hour. So let's take our last break right here, Ed, and then we'll have about uh, three minutes or so when we come back to see if anybody has any uh, last-minute calls here on Penny. Uh, decision day number two. Illini uh, in the mix uh, for four-star Simeon Wing, Taylor Horton Tucker. He's announcing his uh, commitment today. And uh, it's uh, evidently between Illinois, Iowa State, and uh, Xavier. Most uh, people around here feel that uh, he is indeed going to announce for the University of Illinois, which would uh, give Brad Underwood uh, two very highly ranked uh, players in the class of 2018. Brad Underwood has bought in, brought in 100% uh, to the idea of positionless basketball, writes Scott Ritchie. 
First-year Illinois coach isn't scared away by four-guard lineups or playing six-foot-four freshman Mark Smith at what would be considered a power forward, that kind of thing. The previous Illinois coaching staff didn't recruit the six-foot-five class of uh, 2018 wing that uh, that heavily. Underwood and his uh, staff did, offering Horton Tucker in April before he picked up a flood of high major offers, including ones from Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, and Minnesota during the next uh, four months. So Horton Tucker will announce his uh, commitment around 6.30 today at Simeon High School, and uh, we will have uh, live uh, coverage. Uh, Scott Ritchie will be up there that will... We'll be talking about this beginning around uh, 6 o'clock with the announcement from Horton Tucker expected about uh, 6.30 uh, this evening. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning with an open line at uh, 9 o'clock. Then it'll be time for Illini Friday with uh, Kent Brown and uh, Barry Hauser. Thanks for being with us this morning. A special thanks to Mary Shank for her part in the program today. All this coming your way on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.